Well, welcome. This is the, the breakout lament, honest faith when life feels like hell. And uh, it really is kind of a follow-up to what we talked about last night in, in Ruth chapter 1. So I'm looking forward to, to digging deeper. Um, I, I shared last night uh, about losing my son, Eli. And while it's agonizing for him to no longer be here, I, I really am a proud father. So I, I love my son, Eli, even though he's not here anymore. We lost him in, in 2018. Uh, I love our second baby, who we named Roe. We lost Roe through miscarriage in 2020. And I also love our son, Conley, who just turned one a couple weeks ago. And uh, something that our son, Conley, is now getting into is, is climbing upstairs. Uh, do you remember when you learned to climb upstairs? Probably not. Uh, well, uh, we live in a, in a really old row house in Lancaster City, which means that uh, it's hardwood floors and really narrow staircases. So this is like a really dangerous endeavor for Conley. Uh, so I, I actually call it Mount Stair when he climbs uh, the steps. And, and either me or my wife Jillian stay behind him the whole time. Now, why do we have to stay behind him? Uh, climbing up the stairs... Is, is actually a pretty easy thing uh, to get the hang of when, when you're learning how to crawl. You guys all did it eventually. That's why you were able to make it up here, unless you took the elevator. But climbing down the stairs is really difficult and awkward. I mean, you see kids trying to learn how to climb stairs. It's like a, a life-threatening situation as they're climbing up. Uh, in other words, it's easy to ascend but it's really difficult to descend. Uh, Now, what's true with learning to climb stairs is similar to what I have seen amongst Christians when it comes to worship and faith. We have gotten a lot of help learning how to climb up the stairs. We have been shaped and formed to know how to do things like pray and rejoice and praise and declare God's promises. However, many Christians have never been taught how to descend. How do you walk down the steps? How do you uh, climb into the darkness and and live in faith in suffering and heartache and pain? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, yeah, I know how to to praise. I know how to sing the praise songs. But maybe even listening to Naomi last night, you're like, I don't know how to do that. Or I don't know if that's allowed. Well, my hope today in this breakout is to help you climb down the steps, and to see that descending and and going into the darkness and and talking about pain and difficulty and strife is is not just this extracurricular thing, this additional thing that's pasted onto Christianity. It's actually a core and fundamental way that we're called to relate to the Lord. And I know that in this room, uh, similar to what we talked about last night, that there's a lot of suffering and sorrow and grief here sitting in these chairs. And you may wonder, is there a song for my sorrow? Is there a way that I can pray through my pain? Well, there's good news. Scripture and the Lord himself has given you something to navigate the darkness and difficulties of life. It's called lament. Now, there may not be a word that you throw around uh, all that often, and so I just want to give you a definition. It's there at the top of your outline. This is a, a really great definition of what lament is. It says, lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Let me read that again. 
Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Do you notice the tension there? There's this wrestling that happens in lament, and it's, and it's honest, uh, and it's an honest cry through prayer and through song, and there's a paradox. Do you notice how when suffering comes, uh, you're hurting, and that's really real, but you're still holding on to God's promises, and you're trusting them uh, to be true. Lament is what brings those together, and you can hold both in tension as you navigate the difficulties of life. And so this breakout is intended to, to more uh, un, unpack the ways that you can pray and, and how you can do this, how you can wrestle with the Lord in pain. Essentially, remember Naomi's uh, prayer last night, the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me, but in there it's mingling with groaning and trust. We're going to expand that so that you can walk away and know how you can lament and wrestle with the Lord. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to really climb down the stairs with our passage. You may not be familiar with Psalm 88, but this is one of the darkest prayers in Scripture. And so I figured, hey, we're we're talking about climbing down the staircase. Why don't we really go into the basement for this one? Because what we're going to see is uh, this is a, a prayer of robust faith, even though this prayer stays in the darkness. And my hope is that you too will learn how to pray, just like this, this lament does. So read with me Psalm 88, and we're going to start with the, the title and description underneath. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the choir master, according to Mahalath Lanath, a maskil of Heman the Ezraite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Selah. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Selah. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Let's pray before we dive into this. Lord God, we uh, come before you 
uh, with our burdens and our heartaches and, and even our confusion of how we navigate those, would you help us right now understand uh, how you invite us into a relationship that's honest and you call it faith? In your son's name we pray. Amen. So the first thing I want you guys to know about lament is that it is authorized wrestling. And with this authorized wrestling, there are four movements that often happen in lament. And we see it here in Psalm 88. And the first thing is this. Lamenters explain their pain. Notice He-Man, which is an awesome name, by the way, how he describes his experience. You you caught it as we were reading. Look at verse 3. He says, my soul is full of troubles. And he says, my life draws near to Sheol. Now, Sheol is the the Hebrew name for the grave, people who were separated from God. Some translate it as as hell. So when I named this breakout, it wasn't just to try to get more people in the door with, ooh, he said hell. No, this is a, a word used in biblical prayers. Essentially, he's crying out, saying, my soul is in such torment that I feel like hell. That's what Heman is saying. Verse 5, it's, it's affected his sense of self. Look at the way he's, he's saying that he's like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more. He feels forgotten, cast aside, and worthless. Over and over again, you see throughout this psalm, he's crying out. Verse 1, I cry out. Verse 2, listen to my cry. Verse 13, he says, O Lord, I cry to you. And then look at how he describes in verse 9, my eye grows dim through sorrow. Then again in verse 4, listen to how he describes himself. I am a man who has no strength. So he's, he's weak. Verse 8, he says, I am shut in so that I cannot escape. He's stuck. Then in verse 15, he says, I'm helpless. So he's feeling weak, he's feeling stuck, and he's feeling helpless. His suffering has brought him to the end of himself. And intensifying his situation, do you notice the relationships that he talks about here? Verse 8, he says, you've caused my companions to shun me. And then he ends his prayer, verse 18, you've caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. So relationally, he's isolated, he's cut off, he's alone. Here is a a man of faith who is struggling with the the difficulty, despair, and isolation of suffering. And one more thing to point out. Did you notice that this isn't just a one-time experience? Look at verse 1. I cry out day and night before you. And then in verse 15, he says, Afflicted and close to death from my youth up. In other words, this this experience, whatever his pain is, we don't know the specifics, but he has been dealing with this for a really long time. It's, It's some sort of chronic or ongoing struggle that he's really been wrestling with. And as you hear this man's cries, you understand, do you notice the last word of this prayer? Darkness. And that word darkness comes all throughout the psalm, so much so that it is the last word of the prayer darkness. Here's a person of faith wrestling deeply with his pain. And what I love about this psalm, you might think I'm weird to say that this is one of my favorite passages. 
Because it shows us that God's word acknowledges the complexity of suffering. And not only that, God's word acknowledges that people of faith will go through seasons of suffering that don't seem to ever have an end. It's okay to wrestle with the Lord and with suffering for a long time. And what I appreciate and what is so helpful to see about this psalmist's pain is that he does not restrain his tears. He lets them flow. So what Heman shows us, that one of the the key things to do in prayer when you're suffering is to explain your pain. Did you notice that almost this entire psalm is description? It's him simply describing, articulating, illustrating his his pain, how he feels, and what he's going through. Now now take a step back and and think about how, how strange that might be. Doesn't God know all things? We heard this morning, God ordains all things. All the happenings of life, God has ordained. Maybe you've heard this phrase or said this phrase in prayer, God, you know what we're going through. Yet this psalmist seems to pray as if God doesn't know what he's going through. So here's what lament teaches us to do. Even though scripture and the psalmist know that God is all-knowing, they still see the necessary value of putting your pain into words. Scripture and God himself seems to think that there's something really healthy about explaining your pain. So that's the the first uh, rhythm of lament. The second thing is this, that uh, we don't just explain our pain, we express our protest. And you probably caught this, but Heman's prayer kind of takes a startling turn, starting in verse 6. Do you notice that uh, for a few lines, the word you shows up at the beginning of, of each verse? You have put me in the depths of the pit. Verse 7, your wrath lies heavy upon me. Verse 8, you have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. See, he is, like Naomi last night, recognizing the Lord's hand in his calamity. Just like Naomi said that the Lord had brought calamity upon me. This is what Heman is doing. Now, think about how different this is than the songs that we sing with the word you in it. We have songs like, you are... Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Heman says, you have put me in the depths of the pit. We have a song like, your mercy never fails me. And this says, your dreadful assaults destroy me. Now he recognizes that God, verse 1, is the Lord of his salvation. However, He is wrestling with the fact that ultimately his suffering is being attributed to the Lord. Doesn't this really change the tone of the conversation? Heman no longer sees God as just someone who sits down to listen to his pain, but someone he's in conflict with. He's wrestling and protesting. And you see that uh, he, he turns up the heat a little bit more. Look at verse 10. Look at these questions that he rattles off to the Lord. 
Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Verse 12, are your wonders known in the darkness? One pastor, Tim Keller, says that this isn't a conversation. It feels more like an interrogation. Heman is is lobbing questions heavenward. And it culminates in verse 14. These are the two questions that really capture what he's after. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? You see, so often suffering reduces your prayers down to that one word. Why? That's what human is wrestling with. And that's what lament allows you to do, is to protest, to bring your questions and complaints to the Lord. When suffering puts you in a place where your pain doesn't seem to line up with God's promises, you don't just have to sugarcoat your pain with God's promises. God invites you to wrestle with those two realities. To to recognize your pain and to ask God why. You are invited to express your protest to the Lord. Now, that may surprise you because you might be thinking, yeah, but I don't want to be a pessimist. I don't want to be a whiner. I've heard that in the Bible, grumbling is a sin. But there is a sinful way to complain, and there is a godly way to complain. There's a sinful way to complain. There's a godly way to complain. And the godly way to complain is to bring them to the Lord, is to bring your questions to God. Now, it's important to realize that expressing your protest, um, there's there's a purpose And there's something that's produced through protest. Now, you've probably heard the phrase, uh, Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. You know, that's kind of like a fun tagline that that Jesus people like to throw around a lot. And and it's true. And if Christianity is a relationship with our living God, well, any and every good relationship involves healthy conflict. Any good and healthy relationship involves healthy conflict. That involves complaints and questions and protest. And so the God who graciously invites you into a relationship with him invites healthy conflict through lament. And as we'll see, it produces deeper intimacy with the Lord. So lamenters uh, express their protest, and then it shifts, and lamenters then ask the Lord to help. The third rhythm of lament is earnest petition. You see, laments typically have some sort of request, a a call for the Lord to act considering the circumstances. And throughout the Psalms, you'll hear uh, cry after cry to the Lord to deliver, to save, to restore. They they beg God to act. And sometimes these Psalms are are confident requests for God to do something. And other times they're just uh, desperately asking God to just show up. Do you notice where the petition is in Psalm 88? Verse 2, let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. That's the only thing that Heman asks God to do in his prayer. It's as if Heman is at the end of his rope, so much so that all he wants God to do is just listen. 
That's all he asks. And do you notice that that comes at the beginning of the prayer? All this tension and conflict comes after the petition. In other words, Heman is still wrestling with the Lord as he asks God for things, as he asks for God's help. In other words, like you don't have to smooth things over before you ask God for his help. It, it, it mingles all together. So Heman uh, desperately asks the Lord to help. Uh, in other words, God is perfectly comfortable listening to your requests even before you're done wrestling with him. God is perfectly comfortable listening to your requests even before you're done wrestling with him. And I appreciate the way one author explains this connection between protest and petition. He says this, when you go to your doctor, you're not whining. You're just explaining where you hurt. You list your complaints because you you know your condition should receive attention. It may not go away. Some of the symptoms may remain, but you've gone to someone who can do something about it. You see the, the connection there. In the same way that you go to your doctor, you explain how you're hurting, maybe even uh, complaining about the pain and, and protesting the pain, you've gone to someone who can do something about it. And that's what lament urges you to do, is to, to bring your pains, your protests, and your petitions before the Lord. Finally, the fourth rhythm of lament is eventual praise. So uh, we've, we've noted that this prayer ends in darkness, uh, Heman's situation doesn't change. His circumstances don't resolve. His tone doesn't even switch. Actually, if you think about it, oh Lord, God of my salvation, verse one, my companions have become darkness. If anything, like he seems to go even further down the steps through this prayer. So uh, it might be maybe a little disorienting to say that lament includes eventual praise Well. Where is this praise? If you go to other laments, like if you want to write down Psalm 13, Psalm 13 is a really succinct, awesome uh, lament that, that gives you these, these rhythms to check out. And, and often in a lament song, there's, there's a shift. There is a, a word like but, yet, or nevertheless. And there's a shift of but, I will praise you. Where's the praise in Psalm 88? It's here. First off, verse 1 He is recognizing that God is the God of salvation. He is, by what he's saying, giving praise to who God is. But verse 10, I think, is is a really profound reality of praise in this man's heart. Look, look what the concern of his soul is. Do Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? You see, as Heman wrestles, as he's so close to the grave, the thing that's on his heart is the praise of God. Now, he's not praising God yet, but he still values the praise of God. And as he's asking the question, you get the sense that that's the direction where he wants to go, but he can't get there yet. And this is really important. This is so freeing to realize that You can be honoring the Lord in worship, in prayer, in song, even before you're praising him. Even before you feel like you can genuinely praise the Lord, your cries can honor him. Lament is the thing that actually shifts your heart towards praise. 
And uh, the, the most surprising thing about Psalm 88 as it relates to praise is the fact that it's a psalm. Now, you may not know what the psalms are, but the, the Hebrew title for the psalms, it's 150 prayers. The Hebrew title is the book of praises. Psalm 88 is in the book of praises. This prayer that ends in darkness gives praise to God. Even when we haven't been able to move beyond our pain, our protests, and petitions yet, God says, prayers like this, honor and glorify my name. And as you take a step back and see these laments over and over and over again through the Psalms, what what you begin to notice is moving through pain, protest, and petition, that is what leads sufferers' hearts in the direction of praise which really rubs up against how we normally think we need to act as Christians. We think that we need to skip really quickly from pain to praise or polish our pain with praise. But lament and the scriptures urge us that in order to get to authentic praise, we need to go through the valley, down the stairs. Pain, protest, petition is what leads sufferers to praise. And so as we, as we consider these four rhythms, here's what I, I really want to urge you guys to realize and believe. God authorizes your wrestling. He authorizes your wrestling. If a prayer like this with difficult questions and unsettling pain, a prayer that ends in darkness could be included in the book of praises then you can be sure that your heartache is authorized by the Lord. And so these four movements, I would encourage you to use these four movements as you learn to pray in pain. So take time to to understand what you're feeling and why. Explain your pain. Be honest about why you're struggling with your situation, what questions you have for God. Express your protest. And how do you want the Lord to help you? Bring him your earnest petitions. And as you work through all of those things, uh, over time, simply doing that before the Lord can move your heart towards praise, or you can begin to focus on, okay, what can I praise the Lord for in this situation? One real practical idea I want to encourage you guys to do is to write out your prayers. We have this psalm because Heman put ink to paper. And so writing, writing out our prayers is a really helpful way to, to process, to, to get words out of your head, and, and then also to be able to remember the things that you've wrestled with and to keep that in front of you. God authorizes your wrestling. The second thing closely re- related is that lament is authentic worship. So uh, we've already started to touch into this, but, but it's important to realize that lament honors the Lord. And I want to show you something that we haven't quite talked about yet. Uh, we've looked at a lot of aspects of this psalm, but there's one significant detail that I purposely skipped over, and it's in the description. Look at what Psalm 88 is. A song 
a psalm of the sons of Korah to the choir master, according to Mahalath Lenanath, a maskil of Heman, the Ezrahite. Okay, so we, we typically think that the psalms are individuals' songs, or, or maybe you think that it's kind of like journal entries from ancient heroes of faith. This is a song. And this isn't just like an emo song on Spotify somewhere hidden in the corners. This is a song written for the choir master of God's people. This prayer that ends in darkness, that is unsettling to even read, became lyrics on the screen. This is a worship song. And what's amazing is it, I said that the Psalms are the book of praises. It's actually referred to as the hymn book of God's people. Like this is, this is a way that God has asked his people to worship him together, regularly. And you might think, oh, well, Psalm 88, maybe it's just like the exception. Like God just put that in there for, uh, for those of us who are going through really hard times and, and those of us who struggle with depression, grief, anxiety. Like this is just like, this is just in there just for those people. But while Psalm 88 is unique in the way that ends in the darkness, it by no means stands alone. Out of all the categories of Psalms, lament is the largest category. Over a third of the Psalms are laments. One out of every three songs in God's hymn book is a song of sorrow. Now, there are a number of ways that we could, could point out how lament honors the Lord. But I'll just give you one. Lament honors the Lord because God says it honors him. He has put in his hymn book, a third of the hymn book is taken up with songs that have really unsettling questions and explained pain and desperation. Lament is authentic worship that honors the Lord. And in case you think that this is maybe just like an ancient way that the people before Jesus worshipped, look at Colossians 3 in your outline. This is the Apostle Paul talking to churches, and he says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do you notice that Paul didn't say, just sing the happy psalms? He says, sing the psalms. Now, he doesn't mean that you should only sing the psalms because you have other spiritual songs and hymns in there. But he's saying, hey, all 150 psalms, give honor to the Lord. Even Psalm 88 and all the the 60 other psalms that are like Psalm 88. Lament is something that we are meant to do as God's people regularly and often, because it honors the Lord. Uh, Now, closely connected to that, I just wanted to point out two other ways that it honors the Lord and why it's worship. The first is this. Why do we sing songs of sorrow? How is it authentic worship? Well, lament welcomes the hurting. Lament is meant to be an aspect of corporate worship because we are a unified people who are both, both rejoicing and grieving. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12 in there, it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. 
lament allows that reality to be true. When we lament together, it's what makes space for those who are suffering to be included in the worship of God's people. Lament welcomes the hurting, and along with that, lament fuels our compassion. Notice Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, far too often our worship kind of stays at the mountaintop and it enables us to rejoice with those who rejoice. When we don't lament, we are significantly inhibiting our ability to weep with those who weep. Yet God, in his hymn book, has given us a way to weep with those who weep. It's through lament. I, uh, I experienced uh, a really powerful example of this um, a number of a months ago. I was preaching on lament at a church, and I, I had the, the worship team uh, do a lament song. And this guy was standing there the whole time, and he was like, man, I'm, I am struggling, but I don't think I'm struggling as much as this person over here. And so he's thinking about people in the pew. Uh, and then someone came up to him afterwards and said, hey, I was thinking of you during that song. Both people, because of a lament song about suffering, were thinking about other people. That's what lament allows us to do in corporate worship. Either if you're hurting, it gives you a song, or if you're not hurting, it allows you to be a Ruth to another Naomi. It welcomes the hurting, and it fuels our compassion. So I just want to take a step back and and think uh, critically about how lament is very different than our worship today. Now, uh, ideally, I would love to pull up a projector and just show all the top 100 songs of Christian worship or or get out hymn books and show lament is really, really not in there. You can do your own research. Uh, Go try to find corporate lament songs. They are few and far between. But I want to be really specific. What is missing in our corporate worship? We could just say lament, but, but with those four categories, if you... If you really go through all of our worship songs, even the ones that talk about suffering, pain is rarely explained in our lyrics. You almost never have present tense sorrow in songs of worship. It's usually past tense, what I have gone through, what God has brought me through. And that's good, but lament allows us to express our pain in the moment. Protests are virtually non-existent. There are very few songs that that bring complaints and questions to the Lord. Very few songs cry out why or how long, like the Psalms do. It's even surprising that petition is even rare in a lot of worship songs. Petitions are, are also few and far between. Most of what our worship does this day is praise. And it's not an eventual thing. It's an ongoing and perpetual thing. Now, let me be clear. Praise is a really good thing. <laughs> Book of praises, right? Praise is a, is a good thing. But as we've seen, God invites worship in a way that celebrates the highs of life and grieves the lows of life. Whether it's the, the, the most ecstatic experience and gratitude for the Lord or the most difficult experience of despair and every hill and valley in between, God says, that's what I want my worship to look like. Uh, so the, the call for you guys is to expand your definition of worship. 
expand your definition of worship and use this framework to think about the songs you sing and the prayers you pray. I want to ask a quick question, and then hopefully we're going to listen to a lament song together. Uh, Last night, after the talk, the song that we sang together, and you, you can be honest, okay? The song that we sang together, I want to ask, how many of you guys found that to be a helpful song? Okay, about half of you. Oh, more than half. Um, I don't know if this is how you felt, but like, uh, wow, there's a song for my sorrow. Like, I'm grieving. I, okay, unrestrained tears. How do I do that? Oh, here's a song that helps me do that. So more than half of you found it helpful. Even if you found it helpful, how many of you guys felt like it was a little awkward? You could be honest. Did it feel awkward or different? Did it feel different? About a half of you. Okay, so that should tell us something. There's a lot of people who are like, sing sad songs in worship? Almost all of you said it was helpful. And even you guys nodding your heads, it was different. It was awkward. If it feels awkward to worship the way people do in the Bible, that should be a big question mark for us. But if you realize, wow, lamenting was was really helpful, I think God knows what he's doing when he says, this is a really healthy way to come before the Lord together. So here's what I want to do. I actually uh, just want to listen to a lament song together just to, to familiarize uh, you guys more so with what they can sound like, how they can sound. Um, it's really repetitive. It's a four-minute song, and it's repetitive in a good way so you can get the lyrics. You don't need them in front of you. And then after this song, we'll have just a few minutes for some Q&A. So you can write it down. I'm going to collect them. Um, but listen to this song and, and hear these rhythms that we just talked about. So good. Just so you know, that song, if you uh, scan the QR code and the resources for Lament, I've put together two playlists. One is uh, hopefully a set of songs that can be done in corporate worship, which if you are involved in leading worship in your church or campus, start to incorporate Lament. There's some songs to help you do that. There's also a playlist uh, that's more personal, uh, corporate worship and personal songs. So, um, And also on the resources are books, articles, videos. Uh, a few questions. Um, I don't know if I have time to get all of them. One question was, will we lament for those who aren't with us in the new earth, even though we only need Jesus? That's a great question. Um, the, the quick answer is, I don't know. I don't know everything about what will, heaven will include, but you sense the, the lament even in that question. Um, We are told that in Revelation that Jesus will wipe away every tear. Sorrow, death will be no more. But here's an interesting thing. Revelation 6, it's it's, uh, painting a scene in heaven, and the martyred saints are around the throne. There's a bunch of worship that happens in Revelation, but Revelation 6, the martyred saints lament. They say, how long, O Lord, until you avenge what's happened to us? So I don't know about the new earth, but lamenting is happening around the throne right now on behalf of the suffering that's on earth. Um, here's, here's another one, not exactly a question. You disobeyed the command. Not exactly a question, but uh, you see more sadness and maybe lament in non-Christian music, or am I wrong? Is lament specifically a Christian word? That's a great observation and question. So lament is, Christians don't own lament, like you can... Google it, and it'll be in the Oxford Dictionary, you know. Um, So lament, expressing heartache, that's all throughout 
uh, culture, and, and you see it all over the place, and in a lot of different genres of music, too. I mean, the old-time country is a lot of lamenting. You ever hear of the blues? That's lament. Uh, emo music, the so-called emo music, which, by the way, I was in an emo band back in my day. Uh, there's a lot of genres even based around lament that have nothing to do with Jesus. Um, but it is a striking observation that a lot of non-Christians seem very, very quick and comfortable with expressing heartache. And Christians, for some reason, think that it's inappropriate. And I think it's because of what I said earlier. We've been shaped to climb up the steps, but for some reason have not been formed in descending. And so that's why I think Psalm 88 and the Lament Psalms are, are so helpful and why you guys can be a really pivotal movement in helping the Christian culture and church get more comfortable with lament and expressing heartache. Your generation is um, speaking more about mental health issues more than any other generation. Like You guys are a lot more comfortable talking about anxiety, depression, loneliness, grief. That's a really good thing. You guys can help start the movement to get back to the Psalm 88s of worship. Now, we don't want to swing all the way to the other side, like, forget praise! But just to say that you guys uh, have a really unique gift of authentically and honestly dealing with the burdens of a broken world. And so here's, uh, we didn't get to even half the questions. Um, so if I took a question and didn't answer it, you want to write your email, I can answer it in email. But here's my last commission to you guys. Because of what I just said about your generation, number one, know that your wrath- wrestling is authorized by the Lord. It is good to come to the Lord with unrestrained tears, to explain your pain, protest, move towards petition and praise. It's good. God invites that. He welcomes it. Even when uh, it doesn't feel like the Lord is being good, think about the mercy of God. He's so merciful that he allows you to tell him that he doesn't feel merciful. He authorizes your wrestling, and he invites us into this sort of thing in authentic worship together. And so I really want to challenge and commission you guys to help whatever context you worship with regularly on campus, in church, to go nudge the worship pastor or your pastor or your campus staff, or if you're a worship leader, to say, hey, did you know how many lament songs are in the Psalms? (laughs) hey, I have a corporate corporate worship for lament playlist on my Spotify now. I'm I'm joking, but I'm not. You guys can really be a pivotal uh, movement in helping not just other people, but the church as a whole learn to be comfortable descending into the darkness. And like I said last night, not for the sake of deeper happiness, but for the sake of greater hope. God moves us from pain to praise through honest worship. And you guys can be a pivotal part in helping to see that happen. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, thank you for uh, each man and woman, all the students in here uh, who are a representation of the work that you're doing in this world, but also a representation of the brokenness in this world. On their behalf right now, I cry before you, In the same way that Heman does, Lord, hear their cries. 
listen to their questions as they explain their pain and protests. We know we're often told to be content and rejoice, but you also invite us to ask you to change our circumstances according to your will. So would you rescue and save and deliver these students from whatever they're experiencing? And if you don't deliver them, as they continue to wrestle, would you move their hearts to deeper trust and praise? Because you offer us more than happiness, you give us hope. I pray all this on their behalf, in your son's name. Amen.